Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. Wow. You got your Bible with you? You got your, your Bible, your iPhone, your iPad, your eyeballs. Let's look and let's say this together. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am obedient. And I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, this stage looks great, doesn't it? I, I tell you, some people know how to wrap gifts. It's so awesome. And, and the joy sign, don't you love that? That's just, man, I, I saw that at Sam's and I told Andrea, I said, please get that, work it into the stage because, uh, you know, that's the message of Christmas, right? Look at your neighbor and say, joy. joy. Look at the other one and say, joy, joy. joy. You know that song, joy unspeakable and full of glory or that other song, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Yeah, where? Yeah, that's it. Wow. The message of joy is everywhere. Uh, John 15 and 11, Jesus said, I've told you these things, that your joy might be what? Full. Full. So I'd like for us to stip, stip the stip stick. Stip the st- stick. The stip stick. <laughs> Say that three times. Sip the sip the sip the sip. I better be careful. You know what I mean, right? Or look at the gauge. And see how your joy gauge is. So if your joy gauge is low today, then he wants your joy gauge to be where? And if it's full, you just want to thank God it's full, right? And if it's medium, we want to get that joy gauge up to to full. Uh, The angel said, Luke 2 and 10, would you read it with me? Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of what? Great joy, which shall be to all people. Great joy, not Minimal joy, not small joy, but great joy. When you read the story of Christmas in the Bible, the word joy is used over and over. In fact, eight different times. I guess that's why we say Merry Christmas, not Scary Christmas, right? It's a, it's a joyful time. It's a party time. It's a celebration time. It's not a funeral. Uh, some people around Christmas time, they look like they've been to a funeral or got a bad doctor's report because it's nothing but frowns and stress and anxiety. And I know some of you may say, you know what, it's just a lonely time for me. I, I know that. Uh, some people say, you know, I'm just going through a different season. I understand that. Sometimes people say, you know, I just don't feel like I've I'm just really not in the Christmas spirit this year. What is a Christmas spirit anyway? I I don't know that. Or then I hear people say something like this: "I just wish Christmas would hurry and get over." Wow! I just say, "Where's your joy? Where's your joy?" Uh, and and we look at that word joy, but what is joy? I mean, if uh, if I were to come through the audience and give a microphone to you and say, "Would you define joy?" We'd probably have as many different definitions of joy than people that are here. Two of my favorite definitions, one is by Kay Warren uh, from her book, Choose Joy, and it's there in your notes, and it says, would you read it with me? Joy is a settled assurance that God is in control. That's the fill-in. 
That's a settled assurance that God is in control. I can have joy if I'm assured that God is in control. All right, let's read it again. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details in my life, the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. That's a good song right there, right? And the determined, here it is, choice to praise God in all things. So joy is not just an emotion. Joy is a choice. I choose joy. Now, a shorter definition that we learned yesterday at Jingle Jam, and in fact, parents, it's being taught to your kids right now next door in Kid City, and uh, here's the definition. So you can ask them, hey, on the way home, what's the definition of joy that you learned today? Uh, write it out. Put it up on your refrigerator so that you can have it too. Here's the shorter version that I like, and it's called, read it with me, Joy is finding a way to be happy even when things don't go your way. And I know some of you are theologians and you say, well, happiness and joy are not the same thing. I understand that, but it's hard to be happy unless you got joy because joy is a choice. And it's all right to be happy. It's all right to notify your face that you love Jesus, that you love him, that you have a home in heaven, all right? It's all right to notify your face. Uh, some people need to do that, all right? And I need to do that from time to time. Now, wouldn't it be great if we had joy all the time? How many of you know we don't always have joy, right? Yeah. You know, if, if, we, had, if we had joy all the time, it'd be a nicer place to live. People would be less cranky. People would be less grumpy. They wouldn't be spending their time attacking people. But the truth is, we don't have joy all the time naturally. And here's one of the reasons. There are, I, I got to tell you this, there are some joy thieves. <laughs> have you ever seen a joy thief? I see some of you looking at the person standing beside you. Stop that. <laughs> we don't have enough time to counsel this week. You ever heard the story, the Grinch who stole Christmas? I'm going to tell you something you didn't know. There's not one Grinch, but there are a lot of Grinches, and they want to steal your joy. And in this next four weeks, we're going to look at different Grinches that want to steal your joy. I don't want the Grinch to get my joy. Here's the first one. It's the Grinch of busyness. The Grinch of busyness. The Grinch of busyness. Busy, 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 busy. Well, we got to run here. We've got to go that. We've got this party. We've got this parade. We've got this kid involved in this, and we got this and somewhere else, and we've got that. And so we, we get so busy running. We got to have a bigger tree this year. We got to have more decorations this year than we had before. We've got to have a, a better party. We've got to have more. I've got to have a better dress, a better tuxedo, better clothes this year. And so we can get so busy. The busyness, say busyness. You know anybody that's busy? Yeah, some of you say, yeah, that's me, dude. That's me right there. I'm busy. The busyness and the constant pursuit of more things has created a medical condition that the professionals called anhedonia. Anhedonia. It's a very valid thing. You can go on the internet and look at it, and it's a, it's a, it's a scary thing. And it describes, there in your notes, anhedonia describes the increasing number of people 
who've lost the ability to find pleasure in the things that used to bring pleasure and joy. Some of you are already right now say, yeah, that's me. There are some things, even Christmas used to bring a greater pleasure and joy to me. But, you know, anymore, I, I don't even find pleasure or joy in that. Or maybe it's a lot of different things. Uh, and means without, and donia means pleasure. And there are different types, and the professionals tell us there are different types of anhedonia. There's social anhedonia, where we're so overly stimulated with things, and we're here, but we're not here, Right? At our fingertips, we, all, we have all kinds of phones and all things on that smartphone and everything else, and we're overly stimulated. Go to a restaurant. Watch a family sitting there. What are most of them doing? On the phone, ear, earphones, a little kid sitting over here watching something on the, on the iPad. They're there, but they're not there. What used to bring, I remember as a kid when we would go out to have a meal. We were not very rich, and so when we would go out for a meal, man, that was awesome. I mean, we sat there, and you'd look at the menu, and you could actually order something from the menu. Man, that was great. We used to, we used to come from the north down to Tennessee for some events at a conference, and, and we'd pull through, and, and you could order grits. Now, we, in Illinois, we put cream and sugar with our grits. Oh, how horrible that is, right? Oh, man. But when I go down south, I could order grits with butter. Yeah, man. And, and, and red-eye gravy or whatever it is over that. Wow, I just. But isn't it amazing how that what used to bring you pleasure, now because we have so many choices and we're so overly stimulated, that it doesn't even bring pleasure anymore. There's another condition that they call up... Um, uh, musically anhedonia that's that there's been such an overindulgence in different styles of music that you're listening to and everything's got to top the other one and top the other one and top the other one and the music that used to move you the music that used to bring you pleasure no longer brings you pleasure because you've just been overly stimulated by all of these things and then there is sexual anhedonia with things that used to bring you pleasure the, the simple things that used to bring you pleasure before you were married you you would hold hands with your spouse, you, you, and remember, remember those days when you held hands? Three of you. <laughs> Been a long time, huh? But, but you held hands, you opened the car door, and there was real pleasure in opening the car door, you ladies who opened the door for your husband. I mean, it just brought real, real pleasure, didn't it? <laughs> I mean, you could sit and you look at each other eyeball to eyeball, and you could actually do something called talk. Remember that? But now with the age of internet, pornography, so many other things, we say, hey, you know what? We should try that. Yeah, we should try this. Or we should try this. And let's try something else. Why? Because we get to the place, and, it, and, it's, and it's a condition, a very valid condition, that what used to bring pleasure no longer brings pleasure, and we've got to have more. That can even be the same thing even in the church world. We just got to gotta find more and more because our senses are so overly stimulated 24 hours, seven days a week that we never silence long enough of the stimuli for our senses. I mean, have you ever heard of FOB? Fear of boredom? You get ready, you got to go to the bathroom. Where's my cell phone? Yeah, I got, and you take your cell phone with you to the bathroom. 
Oh, that's the second, that first service, not you. Yeah, sure you do. No, I will not say what came to my mind there. So, you know, there used to be a time called uh, known as BS. That's uh, before smartphones. Some of you that are younger, look it up on the internet. There was a time. The phone was on the wall. And it was a two-foot cord. So if the phone rang, you have to go over, take it, and you were, you were stationary, right? And then those of you that are a little older, remember the time that those expandable cords came out? And you could stretch 10, 15, 18 feet. You have the phone right here. You can be cooking, do all of those. Remember that? And then the bag phones came out with a long antenna. And remember, you, you had that. It's, it's just like you throw it on as a strap. It looked like a suitcase. You were going somewhere, but you were really somebody because now you could go everything. And now we have these little things called smartphone. It's got the world at our fingertips. I could sit here right now, and I could, uh, I could go to the app that we use with my granddaughter that's in Australia in missions, and, uh, and in, in, in 10 seconds, I can communicate with her in Australia. And, and everything you want is, is r right here. And, and we're, so, we're so stimulated by all of those things. But if we're not careful, listen to me, if we're not careful, even our capacity to sense God will be compromised because we fill ourselves with so many things that we don't have room for God. And we can be right in his presence, but yet we can miss him. We, we, we come to church and we get so self-absorbed, we've got to get in, get something, and let's get home because we don't have any time. And, it's that, and so, so what we do, instead of finding a place where we can just settle into his presence and be with him, we want to be sure we get to a church that I can get in, I know when it's going to end, I know this is going to happen, and it's just very professional how everything is done because really I just want to get there and say I, I came don't talk to me about really coming into his presence. Isn't it interesting when we're in a crisis, we want nothing else but to be in his presence. At the end of the service today, two or three people with, with crisis events in their life, tears, and would you pray with me? And so as we do, I, of course we'll, we'll pray, right? But then what, what I find so amazing is sometimes once a person gets out of a crisis, their marriage levels off, their finances level off, they find that job, their kid comes home, and then all of a sudden, what used to bring them pleasure of being in the presence of the Lord no longer brings them pleasure, and now they have to fit God into their life. Are you coming to church today? Well, if it's convenient. If I can fit it in with all of the other activities and the busyness that's going on in my life, you see, used to be when the doors were open, you were here because you found a pleasure in his presence, a pleasure in his presence. I mean, right now, you can, you can open up, you're sitting here in service, and we say, you know, you can look at the scripture on your iPhone, so here's what you do. You, you pull up the, the scripture, and then what happens? You start getting pop-ups. Here's a sale from Kohl's. So instead of just wiping that off, what do you do? You're listening to me, got your notes, you're taking notes, watching the screen, and then doing that. 
I've walked around sometimes while somebody else is up on stage, and I see people playing games on the phone. Here in church. Pastor Tim doesn't do that anymore. I pick on him because Pastor Tim and I are yellow pad guys. <laughs> we have to have help with everything. How do we overcome the Grinch of busyness? Let me spell it to you because I don't want to shock you too much because it's a word that we don't really like in our vocabulary. This is how we defeat the Grinch of busyness. It's spelt like this. S-T-I-L-L-N-E-S-S. Let's don't say it too loud. Let's just whisper it. Stillness. Stillness. Stillness is uncomfortable, isn't it? You think, did you lose your train? Should I say something? Do you remember the story in Luke chapter 10 of Martha and Mary, the two sisters? Martha is preparing for Christmas. I mean, for Jesus. Jesus is coming. And so it's, everything's just got to be just right because if Jesus is going to come to your house, everything's got to be good, right? So she's cleaning and she's baking, she's cooking. You know, she's got on that dress that costs, costs several shekels. She wants to be sure everything is just right. And Jesus, and Jesus shows up and he's there in the midst and her sister Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And where's Martha? She's, she's getting ready for Jesus' coming. But he's there. She's in his presence, but she's missing him because she's so busy. And then she gets ticked off. Jesus, my sister Mary is sitting at your feet, and I'm trying to get everything just perfect for your coming. Tell her to get in here and help me. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha. Say that with me. Martha. Look at your neighbor and say, Martha, Martha. You're so busy with so many things. But Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Our theme verse today, Psalm 16 and 11, would you read it with me? You will show him the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. This is where it starts, in his presence. It's not getting more things. It's not, well, if I just, if I had a husband, that, that's where it would start. If, if I had a wife or if I didn't have the one I have now or if I had a job or a different job or if I had this or if, maybe if we go to a different church or, you know, if, you know, maybe a bigger city. And so we keep, you know, if I had more Christmas presents, a bigger tree. No. It starts. It starts with your choice of where you are. I choose to be in his presence. Mm. It's a choice. It's a choice. We have to make choices, right? 
this morning, I had to make a choice. You know, as I'm getting older, I'm losing more hair. And they're singing that boy band song. Bye, 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 bye. So I no longer comb my hair. I arrange my hair. I go to Danielle over here, and I say, I call her and say, Danielle, I need another tune-up. Would you do one of those miracles that you do? And then I'll ask her this, what new products do you have? So this morning, I got up, and I used my 15 or 20 products, whatever it is, and uh, it just really was not good. It really looked bad. So I went to Anita, the great fixer-upper, and I said, I need your help today. This, this doesn't look good. I, I need help. And uh, so she arranged it. She said, how's that look? I said, okay. <laughs> and then she said, well, remember yesterday, Jingle Jam? You have to choose joy. <laughs> so I choose to be happy today. This is as good as it gets for today, Okay. But wouldn't it be terrible to be in his presence and to miss him? But you can be right in the middle of his presence here. And you could be on your phone, distracted, your mind a million miles away. And you could miss him, miss his presence. I don't believe the Bethlehem innkeeper was a bad guy. I believe he was busy. I believe he was busy, you know, changing currency and helping, you know, move one guy out of the area. He snores too much, so you got to move him down the hall to where someone else. And there really wasn't bad. He was, just, he, was just, he was just busy. Let me ask you a question. What is it that used to move you in a church service, but no longer does it move you? What is it in a, in a worship service that used to touch your heart? And I mean, man, you were all in. You were there. But now you can come and you can sit and you can sip, soak, and the whole thing is going on and there's an alarm going off on your heart. This used to mean something to you. This used to bring a joy. This used to bring a pleasure to you. But you're dead. You're flatlined. Anadonia, you're experiencing nothing. Could it be that we've been so overly stimulated by things that we can't even come and sit in his presence and be with him? There's a path leading to his presence. The growth track is one of the things that we do that's not an elective. It's something that everybody does at the Father's house. It helps you to discover how to get into his presence. Life group and our worship time. And then... In your notes today, your handout, if you'll take out this little brochure that says, for such a time as this, 21 days of fasting and prayer, I want to give you a quick introduction to what we're going to be doing in January. Pastor Tim is going to come back on December the 29th, and he's going to talk about this more in detail. But every year in January, we as a church decide that we want to bring some more clarity uh, with ourselves before God. So we've done 21 days, we've done seven days, we've done a, a day a week, we've done a lot of things. 
So this year, we want to focus in on, for such a time as this, 21 days of fasting, which will begin January 5th through the 25th. 21 days. And the goal of the fasting is simply this, to draw near to God. Say, draw near to God. It's a way of eliminating distractions. A way of eliminating distractions in our life. A way of creating that hunger to a greater degree. You say, well, what, what kind of fast are we going to do? Well, we're leaving that choice up to you. You could do a 21-day liquid fast if you choose, or maybe you might be like some of us. You say, you know what? For the first seven days of this fast, I'm going to do nothing but a liquid fast. That's what I'm going to do for seven days because I'm so desperate. I'm so hungry to rekindle my passion to him. Or maybe you'd say, you know, I want to do a 21-day soul fast. I need to fast from social media or watching television. Or maybe a 20-day selective fast, like the, the Daniel fast, which you remove uh, sweets and bread and meats from your diet. Or maybe you say, you know what, I, I'll participate in a seven-day fast. Or say, well, you know, every day I'll fast lunch for the 21 days. Or say, a partial fast, which some call the Jewish fast or some the Wesleyan fast. It's from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. on Wednesdays. Or maybe say, you know what, I wanna, I'll create my own fast. I'm gonna, I'll fast today and then I'll eat lightly. Fast today and then I'll eat lightly and I'll do that. Can you imagine what might happen individually and corporately as a church if we could just take some time and withdraw from the busyness and spend time with him. We use that time then to pray, to talk to him, to be with him. And then, of course, Saturday mornings, we have the 8 o'clock prayer time. And I, and I know you maybe not can be here all the time, but in January, why not try to be here with us on Saturday prayer at 8 o'clock? And then we want to plan to read and study through this New Testament. I know a lot of times we do it, uh, old, we do it all old and new, but this year we want to focus in on the New Testament using this app. Because what we're going to do is that we'll talk about this. And then you can, uh, at, at the end of the daily reading, you can actually, other people that are participating, you say, here's what I learned today. And then also get your Bible and get a notebook. Because at the beginning of every book, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, etc., they'll have a little cartoon. I, I like cartoons. And that cartoon will explain to you about the book of Matthew. It'll explain to you about the book of Mark. So what we're basically going to do as a church through 2020 is we're going to do a crash course on the New Testament. Does that sound good to you? Uh, so let's, let's do that. Let's participate in that together because I think it's very, very important. Listen, I've come too far to let my passion die now. And you have too. You've come too far to lose the wonder. 1 Kings 19, verse 11 and 12. Then he said, talking about Elijah. Elijah really is suffering with anhedonia here. He's very depressed. He's running for his life. And uh, he's in one of those places like some of you are. You've seen some real miracles. I mean, he withstood the prophets of Baal, 450 prophets of Baal. He called fire down out of heaven. And then the enemy uses one event of Jezebel. And Jezebel said, I'm going to get you. One woman. And he's already taken down 450 prophets of Baal. But you see, it's not 
it's not that we always are up here, but sometimes we hit that level where we've lost that place that we had with the Lord. And so Elijah runs. And on the run, then, he would get all the uh, stimuli that you think that would satisfy. There's a, uh, it comes and there's a, a great strong wind. I mean, you talk about stimuli. You, t- you talk about that sound effects, but God wasn't there. Then there was an earthquake. Everything shook. But God wasn't in that stimuli. And then there was fire. God wasn't there. See, we can look for so much external stimuli, but we could miss the one place that he is. God wasn't in any of that, but he was in one. The still, small. Several years ago, the Lord spoke to me and he said, for the next, ever how many weeks it was, he said, I want you to get up at five o'clock in the morning and I want you to meet with me. And I felt real clear that the Lord said, I don't want you to, uh, I don't, I see, and usually when I meet with the Lord, I got my journal, I got my Bible, I got some praise music, you know, and all that. And, And the Lord was very clear to me. He said, I don't want you to bring your Bible. I don't want you to bring your journal. I don't want you to bring your praise music. I just want you. I just want you. I just want you to be in my presence. So I I get up that morning at 5 o'clock. I go outside by the pool. And I'm sitting there looking at the stars, twiddling my thumbs. Because I'm so used to being busy. Writing. Listening to the songs. Reading the word praying and I'd start I'd start to pray and, and I'd Lord and he said shh, shh you know how hard it is for somebody who has a short attention span could hardly wait for the morning appointment to just sit in his presence. I said, did you hear a deep revelation? Nope. Something life-changing? Yeah. Like just being in his presence can bring such a joy. You guys see people that have been married for like 50 or 60 years and they go to a restaurant They can sit through the whole meal and never talk, right? But if you you were to interview them and say, boy, it looked like, man, you you didn't enjoy that dinner with your wife. Oh, yes. But you guys didn't say anything. We don't have to say anything. We just enjoy each other's presence. We just enjoy being there. Have we gotten so good? at doing things and busy. Some of you don't even know what that's like because you've never been challenged to just be still in his presence and just be there for him. I know there's a time to pray and time to do all those, but to just be there with him and for him. How many of you are husbands? 
fathers, grandfathers. Let me, have to, let me tell you how critical it is that we win this war. Do you remember the story of David and Goliath? And Saul's army. They were looking for the army to come and fight Goliath. But notice Goliath's tactics. We're not going to fight like usual. But I'm going to stand here and represent. And then you choose one man to come and fight me. And whoever wins that battle, then everybody else will be submitted to that person. Men, your battle of finding that joy in God is so critical because as your victory goes, so goes the victory of your son or your daughter. Those of you that are employers, as your victory goes, so goes the people that are submitted to you and work with you. Those of you that are department heads and ministry leaders, as your victory goes, as you're winning that, so goes the people that you're there. It's a critical time that we're in. There was a little boy by the name of Jimmy. He was a special needs child in the eighth grade. He really couldn't do the eighth grade work, but he was there. It was time for the Christmas play, and Jimmy wanted to be in the play. His, students, his student friends wanted him to be in the play, but the teacher was afraid to put Jimmy in the play. He didn't want to embarrass him because she was afraid he couldn't remember the lines from the Christmas play. So she made him the innkeeper, and she said to him, here's your words. Here's what you have to memorize. Simply this, no room. Now, Mary's going to argue with you that she wants a space. You're just going to say, no room. So it came the day for the play, and everybody was there. His mom and dad were nervous about, didn't want him to be embarrassed, that he wouldn't remember the lines. And so when it came time and there's a knock on the door, he says very proudly, no room. And Mary says, please, please, I'm with child. I'm tired. It's been a long journey. I'm about to cry. Please don't turn me away. All eyes are on little Jimmy. He says, I know what I'm supposed to say, but Mary, you can have my room. You can have my room. Jimmy was willing to violate a script in order to follow the higher impulse of love. We as Christians must be willing to violate the script about Christmas if we want to truly glorify the Savior, for He is worthy. We have to wake up from our busyness. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you today you're challenging us to love you like never before. Forgive us for our busyness. Forgiving us, forgive us for becoming flatlined that what used to really bring spiritual goosebumps doesn't even affect us anymore. And we just perform. 
please, Lord. At the very beginning of this Advent season, at the very beginning of this series on joy, would you help us to find the pathway into your presence where there's fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore? As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, maybe you're here today and you say, you know, Terry, I need to invite Jesus into my heart and into my life. I feel him drawing me. I can't explain it, but I feel the spirit drawing me. And today I'd like to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you're watching online and that's you. If you're here today and you say, you know what? I need to say yes to Jesus. I need to invite him into my heart, into my life. And I, I know the Lord is drawing you. I know that he's speaking to you right now. Maybe it's years ago that you went away from him and he's drawing you back today. Would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me and simply say, would you pray for me? I need to get things right with Jesus. I know I'm lost and I need to be found. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody else, raise your hand with those two, three, four others today. Say, that's me. That's me. And I know the Lord is speaking to you. He's speaking to some right now. And you're thinking, well, what if I raise my hand? I don't want to be embarrassed. God's going to embarrass you. It's the greatest decision of your life. But I just sense that there's somebody else right now on the verge of making that decision. Would you just raise your hand and let me pray with you? And that's the greatest thing I'd want to do today is pray with you and for you. Let's pray this prayer together. We've all prayed this prayer at one time or another. Would you pray it with me? Thank you, God, for sending your son, Jesus, to die for my sins. I confess with my mouth, and I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord, and that he was raised from the dead. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to come into my life. As best as I know how, I'm going to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps will be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.